Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, ready to talk some NFL draft. We are coming off the back of a great national championship. It was a lot of fun in the first half. Second half kind of sucked. Uh, I, I got to be honest. You overhyped it by saying great. It, it, it was great to it start. Was building. It was mm-hmm. like a, it was like a slow build and then a pretty big letdown in the second half. Like, I, like Trevor I mean, Lawrence turned into any quarterback in college football against LSU's defense this year, the second half. It was ugly to watch. Yeah. He just couldn't hit a throw to save his life. But yeah, the, I mean, that's LSU, though, this year. They were just too damn good. Mm-hmm. They were fantastic. Joe Burrow, including. We're going to talk national championship risers and fallers from that game. We're also going to dive into our favorites from the latest 2020 NFL mock draft on PFF.com. And then we're going to dive into some PFF darlings, some mm-hmm. favorites in this class that have graded very, very well. Maybe not high on everyone's board. Maybe they don't have the traits, the upside, the ceilings, whatever it is, but they have graded very well in pff system that production translates to the next level so we're going to give some names there should be very good let's get into the risers though from this national championship we would be remiss not to bring up the man the myth the legend the highest graded quarterback from a single season standpoint in the pff college era dating back to 2014 that is none other joe burrow of lsu man what a season what a performance in this game yeah i mean goes up against a clemson defense that has given pretty much everyone they face fits. Like it is a tough defense, the three one seven. It's very difficult to attack that many athletes on the football field via the passing game. And you thought, you know, with that defense where the susceptible is run game, thought it might be a run heavy attack. Maybe uh, try to establish that area. No, they dropped back to pass 61 times in this game. Joe Burrow did kind of uh, rug and carved him up. Uh, I mean, it looked like he was going to have some struggles earlier. The blitz packages were getting to him the first couple drives. And then all of a sudden, just dime, dime, dime. The same Joe Burrow we've seen all year. Ended up with an 85.6 passing grade against that Clemson D. Best game. It's the best, Clemson, the best, Clemson's defense is yeah. the best in the country. I mean, they went in that yeah. game ranked first in EPA per play allowed. Ranked first in EPA per pass play allowed. They were blitzing him a lot. He struggled out of the gate. He faced adversity and still came back and won. He, yeah. Then he had the rib injury. We're not even bringing up that he got blasted on that blitz and ended up fa- fighting through that. He was on the bike uh, early from mm-hmm. halftime. I, I was really impressed with that performance. Showed adversity, grit, all of those things. This guy is a lock for the number one overall pick. There yeah. is no way... The people, the, the people down the road here, the Cincinnati Bengals could talk themselves out of Joe Burrow at one. Yeah, I mean, they, you NFL quarterbacks would not have carved up that defense the way he did. Like some of those throws, they weren't guys wide open down the football field. Trevor Lawrence had guys more wide open than Burrow did. If you, you know the Jamar Chase fade, the deep ball. He had guys like literally DBs at the catch point, but the throw was too perfect for them to even break up. Like he was the ball placement on some of those throws and even had the Jamar Chase drop that he had the perfect, uh, you know, that could have been the uh, nail in the coffin before the actual nail in the coffin there uh, in the second half. He was just, he was same Joe Burrow we've seen all year. He's the dude is pinpoint at every level of the football field. Best prospect since fuck whoever you want to say Andrew like, Luck. I mean, yeah, it, like, it gets, I it's I getting to that point. It really is like best prospect we've definitely seen because we have not seen anyone with this level of accuracy at the college football level. Six years. An exclamation point on what has been an absolute outstanding season for Joe Burrow of LSU. Let's stay with LSU on this next riser. Caleb on chase on the edge defender for LSU number eighteen. I watched some of his tape going into this game. Man, he beat down on Sam Cosme against Texas. Yeah. And I started to get excited. I see people were kind of mocking him at the back end of the first round. People, some people even see him as a top 20 player traits are the first thing that come up with him. He's got some juice off the edge. Yeah. He, he's also got good hands. In my opinion, I think his feet are pretty decent, pretty quick, explosive dude, and a very good game against Jackson Carmen too. an underclassman offensive tackle mm-hmm. for Clemson, a Cincinnati native, if I mind you, and he, he played well in this game. Where are you at with Caleb on right now? 
I just go back and forth because he is very inconsistent. Like he mm-hmm. will beat, like he even beat in Georgia national conference championship game. He beat Andrew Thomas a couple times. Like he, like Andrew Thomas doesn't lose a lot. Uh, I mean, if you go for that interaction for the whole game, probably still a win for Andrew Thomas to only give up a couple pressures. The game is still yep. uh, you got the best of them, but like not a lot of people beat Andrew Thomas this year. But again, like even when he went up against bad tackles, though, it was only like still couple times he'd win mm-hmm. like so it didn't really matter who he's going up against he still would win a two or three times a game just never had that dominance of a single game where he took over and he was that guy which you usually see from athletic edge rushers like Caleb on uh, you know usually when they go up against guys who really can't move at the tackle position they should be winning snap after snap after mm-hmm. snap but we didn't see that with him yeah but we also usually don't see guys who can beat Andrew. You know, like there's usually yeah. beat Andrew Thomas, beat Jackson Carmen, beat Samuel Cosme, three guys who will be first, second round type of tackles drafted in the NFL. That just doesn't happen either. So uh, I go back and forth. I'm really undecided on him. To me, he's kind of more of a day two guy. Like to me, he should come back to school. Like he could come back to school for a senior year, wow. dominate, mm-hmm. and he could go top five, top ten next year. Like he has that level of traits. But he just doesn't have the production. He doesn't have the consistency right now. So for me, if I were advising him, I'd actually, you know, a lot of these guys who were in the first round conversation, I'm saying, I'd say go him. I think he could actually come back to school and make himself a ton of money. I, I think that's not a bad call. I think people do get, you know, are starting to fall in love with his high end. I think his high end reps are spectacular in that athleticism. I, I, like I said, I think his hands are good, but that consistency is a concern. I don't know what yeah. you attribute that to. It's hard to think of a player comp for that. Like Arden Key comes to mind, but there was a lot of off field with Arden Key. And I think Arden Key was a lot thinner <laughs> than Caleb on chase. Yes. didn't win with his hands as often as Caleb on does. I, I think Caleb on's better than Arden key. I don't want that comp to be made for him, but consistency is a concern. And you see that with guys and, and start to get concerned. He was pretty damn good at LSU. Though, yeah, no, no, right? pretty good for one yeah. year though. And yeah. then he came back that next year. Wasn't it wasn't great. Yeah, it was cheeks, but you know, so Caleb on, like I said, and, and he's not going to get a better situation in terms of they knew teams were going to be passing against them in the whole second half. Cause they were just blowing teams out. Like he, he had whole second halves where he could just, you know, sit back and attack the passer and still didn't produce at a high level. So I go back and like I said, I go back and forth on him. Uh, he's definitely going to be a guy that we're probably lower on than the general public because we're, you know, we need to see it before we're going to buy all the way in. Mm-hmm. We see that consistency. But uh, I, like I said, if, if I'm advising him, I'd probably say come back to school. There you go. Let's go to uh, Clemson. Finally, Isaiah Simmons. Mm. Oh man. I, I mean, the the, the, everyone's catching on. Up everyone's catching Clemson. on. Okay. Yeah. Isaiah Simmons plays every position on the football field and he plays them well on the defensive pass interference where the LSU defender got there way early, like tackled him before the ball. You'll see Isaiah Simmons come up to last scrimmage. And he's kind of like playing pre-snap mugging the three gap. He gets all the way to the deep middle third before that pass is thrown. Like this guy can legit be anywhere at any point in time, yeah. had great pass breakups against the, the tight end Randy Moss's son. I, I really do think this guy's a difference maker. He's a reason I think I could see the three one seven become a thing in the NFL. Because if you get athletes like that with his size, you can do a lot of special things in the NFL. Man, I, this guy's a lock in the top ten now. I think with with recency bias, I'm ready to buy in. Yeah, I mean, I wrote an article on PFF.com uh, this week about why he is just like perfect for the modern NFL and what. I mean, basically, I wrote about how Clemson, that 317, how that's kind of where the NFL game is trending. Get more guys who can play coverage uh, over the middle of the football field. And 
you know, attack opposing quarterbacks like that because uh, because the pass game's king. Because you don't have to worry about the running game because those guys can still present ma- mismatch issues if deployed correctly in the running game. You don't need guys that have to take on blocks, you know, stack and shed that sort of thing as much anymore. So uh, I do think he is very much a modern NFL linebacker, safety, cornerback, whatever you want to play him. He's going to be very good at the next level. And that length is going to be I mean, it can be covered in any single scheme. If you want him to shut down windows and zone coverage, he can do that. If you want him to play man coverage on tight ends, he can do that. Uh, and I mean, we saw it against LSU, basically the only guy who held his weight on that Clemson defense. Alignment and assignment versatility at that position is just so important. And that's where where every NFL defense wants to go. Like a Jamal Adams, Derwin James, Isaiah Simmons can do similar things from an amount standpoint. It, it's insane. So uh, really special game for him, a special season for Isaiah Simmons. Go to face fake ID now we haven't had a fake ID segment in a while this guy's been a fake ID on earlier podcasts remember the fake ID segment on two for one drafts is where we highlight a player that's not draft eligible but I mean we let him in we let him into the draft of the NFL would Jamar Chase man beat up on AJ Taylor Terrell I will say AJ Terrell had a handful of great reps that were just perfect throws from Joe Burrow like in unguardable throws from Joe Burrow but Jamar Chase really showed out in this one I think he is the best receiver on that LSU team I know that includes Justin Jefferson but he can win on the outside and he can win at the intermediate and deep levels of the field with great separation. I really was impressed with Jamar Chase in this game. Yeah, probably the best year on that football field last mm-hmm. night. And, and, you know, you got T Higgins, you got Justin Ross, you got Justin Jefferson, all great prospects. Jamar Chase, I just think is another level in terms of his ball skills down the football field. Great That's hands. I was very impressed with yeah. the hands. Two, two of four in contested catches. Uh, yesterday, obviously had that ugly drop uh that was kind of a misplay mm-hmm. of it over the shoulder but that's been the rarity for it. like he, he usually hauls those balls in over 220 yards dynamic after the catch like he ticks a lot of different boxes i'm not sure he's julio jones but he is a very much a number one type of wide receiver prospect when there, he comes out. yeah oh man i mean i'm excited for him to come out it's i mean we talk about this receiver class and then you're always getting excited about next year's receiver class i mean you have rashad bateman Devontae smith i mean there's just so much going on now jamar chase uh all right we gotta get talk about grant delpit last riser here had a good game has not missed a tackle in three games here we go championship playoff semis and then the national championship didn't miss tackle and yes he did have a face mask that ended up helping him make a tackle Mm -hmm. on one but he didn't miss one yeah that's good that's that's the riser so 10 straight tackles without a miss for grant Elpit. we'll 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 give a round of applause Mm -hmm. for that it's a little bit of riser up our board like we said the the injury the ankle injury was a massive issue for him dating back to the Alabama game. Why he, why he looked so, uh, you know, just bad mm-hmm. in that game. So I think he looked like the Grant Elpit of old down the stretch here. And you love to see it. Yep. All right. Let's go to our fallers now from the national championship. We put this guy on here because, I mean, it wasn't a good game. But I, I will say there were some impressive reps. It wasn't a complete disaster. Exactly. Like, there were impressive reps from A.J. Terrell of Clemson. He is a faller on this one, though. I mean, he gave up over 140 yards and two touchdowns, and he was playing tight man coverage. I thought he was in great position on a lot of those throws. Yeah. But when you do get beat down a bit, hard not to fall. I was going to say, three big plays to get. It was really came down to three reps, mm-hmm. and it was the... The, the touchdown, that was a pretty bad push-off. To yeah, like I, that that, one, I was screaming offensive. Play that one was that. pretty pretty textbook offensive pass interference that did not get called in the long touchdown early. Uh, then you had the, the long play after that was probably the worst one of the bunch, and he just didn't play the catch point well. Like He is at the catch point, perfect throw, perfect catch, has his hand in there, just didn't play it strong enough to get through. So those two were what really kind of like defined games. 
and I even struggle to call him a faller because of that. Like mm-hmm. those are very random. Those go the other way almost as often as they go uh, against him the way they did today. The touchdown and then the fade touchdown was probably his uh, that then probably actually his worst rep was because he was not there at the catch point. He was not attacking. He yep. just had fallen off the route at that point. So yes, he was going up against Jamar chase, but you would have liked to have seen him show a little better down the field, mm-hmm. had the couple pass breakups early. Uh, I still think he is where we had him uh, before heading into this around 40 on our draft board is still where I feel comfortable about. I'm still not, still not consistent enough to be in that first round conversation, but has definitely the traits to develop into a, you know, a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. Talk to me about the differences between uh, Terrell and Trayvon Mullen. I mean, the two similar players that are maybe going in the I, same spot in the NFL draft. And I don't know. So where we didn't have Mullen. No, no the, Mullen yeah, was lower, but yeah, I'm yeah, saying that okay. Mullen went up in the second round. Mullen was, to me, relied on that physicality. Terrell is physical at the line of scrimmage, but then throughout the route does not rely on just beating guys up. I didn't think Mullen's feet were good whatsoever. Terrell's got, in my opinion, much better feet along the route tree. You go back to even the national championship game last year where he guarded an out and up against Devontae Smith and didn't let him probably more than a foot away from him throughout the whole route. So like that, that's a route that Trayvon Mullen just, I don't think would have been able to guard nearly as well as AJ trail did. So uh, I'm like I said, I'm still a fan of his, but uh, would have loved to have seen him, you know, break some of those plays up. But a lot of that catch point, a lot of catch point stuff is random. I go back to Marlon Humphrey at Alabama some of the guys here didn't like him because he gave up a he gave up ton of yards last year at Alabama. He gave up a ton of big plays, but I think on pretty much every single one he was there at mm-hmm. the catch point. And that a lot of times, if you're attacking catch point and you're doing it the right way, it's random whether or not forcing the guy comes tight window yes, throws. Exactly. Forcing tight window throws Just is way more predictive and way more over, yeah. sustainable than it is like winning in those situations exactly. because they're going to go against very good throws, like yeah. we saw from Joe Burrow that's or very good contested catch exactly. receivers. So. That's a good point of uh, pointing out kind of the noisy stuff there. Uh, we have to dive into before we dive into our next follower. I wanted to highlight this guy, Patrick Queen. Maybe a fake ID segment, six foot one, 227 pounds, but they're calling him like he kind of looks like a safety. I was like, well, he kind of is looking like a safety. I think he's a guy that I, I'm interested to watch next year. Oh, or no, We miss him definitely on the risers. Yeah, so I, he's, I, I, he's draft eligible. I'm not sure he comes out, mm-hmm. but yeah, he he had himself a game, a ton of stops and yeah. was just around the line of scrimmage. Had that game. I find uh, myself attracted Davis. to linebacker types that are that size now like that can make that like 250. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He yeah, definitely that can, does not look like a linebacker. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, know like mean. that like that can make those plays that are that athletic, but physical enough to be involved in the box on every play. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do think um, that's where the NFL is going. That, I want more athletes on my defense. I say that every week on this podcast, I yeah. feel like, but I want more athletes on my defense and getting a guy that maybe doesn't weigh 240, 250, like your traditional two down stuffer isn't as, as, as good as like, I want a guy that's just an athlete stopping between the runs. Uh, between the tackle runs, I had that back. Stopping between the tackle runs is on the defensive line nowadays. Like mm-hmm. that is, those are the guys who need to be making those plays. Linebackers, all you want to do is keep them free, mm-hmm. let them roam sideline to sideline. That's just the way the NFL game is going. You mm-hmm. want them freed up. And we talked about this with like the Jaguars. You want them freed up to have to play coverage. Mm-hmm. But you want them. That's what you want them to care about. You want the defensive line, the guys in the interior. They get, they can play the run first. Uh, if you want, but you want the guys in the back end to worry about coverage or else you're just going to get burned by RPOs, that sort of yep. stuff at the NFL level. All right. Last faller before we dive into our mock draft favorites here, Christian Fulton had one of his lowest graded games of the season in this one. He was mm-hmm. tested a ton. They avoided Derek Stingley like the plague. They were not Dude. touching him on that side of the field. I mean, he had a great game again. Like this guy is a freak. If he was,
is draft eligible. He's going high in this draft. Um, he is very good. Only I think he's like what, 18, 19 years old. Come on. The production he's having right now for that defense is absurd. But Christian Fulton in this game at 56.9 coverage grade, five receptions allowed from 11 targets. Um, again, I, there was one rep. I think we called it out when we were watching the game together. When you get stacked, like he did he like a number of times. Yeah, that, that's not that's right. not the first one affecting the game. catch point. That's yeah. getting beat and getting beat badly. You didn't see yeah. those kind of reps with Terrell in this game. Exactly. So like Terrell, when he's shoulder to shoulder, has his hand on, you know, on on one of Jamar Chase's hands. That's a fine rep. You know, even if the ball gets complete or it doesn't, a lot of times is based on the skill of the wide receiver, not necessarily the skill of the cornerback. But when a guy is completely stacked, you when you are behind the receiver completely, uh, and he is, that's an L. You know that you lost. Like you have lost. It, it is not then on the skill of the wide receiver. Uh, a lot of times, that's on the skill of the quarterback. Like just putting it anywhere in the vicinity will result in a completion the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. That was. Uh, that is a number of times for Fulton in this game. So that was not great from him. And I think, um, unfortunately, you know, I think the worst rep, the kind of the cherry on top of this one was when he got kissed by T Higgins on the shoulder. Oh, that was, yeah. that was rough, dude. Yeah. That was not a good look on that reverse. Oh man, that it was, was funny. I just had, we'll get to the mock draft a little later. I had, uh, Fulton and Higgins going to the Jaguars. And so it's oh, a little wow. uh, synergy. Well, there. there you go. All right. Uh, this isn't a fake ID segment, but we are going kicked out of the bar here. Trevor Lawrence showed his ID to us and we're like, dude, you are way too young. Come you back. are not ready. You need to go back to school. Back this, was, next year. this was a very uncharacteristic game. I think ESPN highlighted he had 13 overthrows. I think he was pressing a bit, not hitting open receivers. Man, it did not look like the Trevor Lawrence we saw. That was so weird. Uh, he wasn't making bad decisions with the football. Like he wasn't. He wasn't getting fooled by this LSU mm-hmm. defense by any means. He had guys open. He missed them. It was just that has not been Trevor Lawrence at any point throughout his career. That's why it was so sad. That's why the second half of the game was not good. Is mm-hmm. because you had the you know two quarterbacks that you thought would be playing at a very high level, and one of them objectively not. And Trevor yep. Lawrence, probably the worst game of his college football career. Uh, I don't think that's you know a hot take whatsoever. He just didn't show up in this one. It was, it was bad. Yeah. It was definitely bad. All right, let's go into our mock draft favorites here. We got eight names, eight fits that we're really, really excited about. We'll start with number four. Remember, you can check out the full mock draft on PFF.com. We're also going to be doing a video for YouTube. You're going to have to dive into that. But number four, the New York Giants, they bring in their next Odell Beckham, baby. CeeDee Lamb of Oklahoma. This guy goes all the way up to number four. He's been mocked behind Jerry Judy. He's been mocked outside the top 10. Mm-hmm. Here we go up to number four. He's that good of an athlete. Very good after the catch. I, I looked at his uh, target heat map recently. He can win at all levels of the field, earns targets at the short, intermediate, and deep mm-hmm. levels of the field. I am locked in as CD Lamb, as wide receiver 1A with Jerry yeah. Judy. I, he is that good. Yeah, I agree. And, and I have the, I have on the next draft board, they will be flipped. CD Lamb will be top wide receiver for us in this draft class, most likely just because he's won so consistently at a number of different alignments. And just elite, elite level football from him, like runs the full route tree, whatever you want to say. But I think to the Giants at number four, and again, this is what we would do. Mm-hmm. This is our GM mock. This is not projecting what will actually happen. Trying to project what Dave Gettleman is actually going to do. I really don't even want to do that. So, so the computer so folk and we, the software <laughs> should have a positive yeah, effect. We, they, all, they might talk some sense into him as this one. Hard, hard with this talent and this draft to screw up number four overall. But We'll see. I'll yeah. just say, we'll see. But C.D. Lamb, uh, they have a lot of comp- complimentary pieces there in the New York Giants wide receiving core. Well, I mean, they literally have a bunch of slot receivers uh, in <laughs> Golden Tate and uh, the guy. Who Evan Ingram's kind of even a slot receiver. Yeah, okay, whose name's Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard. But C.D. Lamb, a true number one, a true outside guy that they really do not have. Darius Slayton's nice, not 
on CJ Lamb's level whatsoever. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. I, I do think they need someone like that for Daniel Jones. Giants fans, I will say, do think Darius Lane's the next coming Randy Moss right now. I, I, I've seen a handful He's of them solid. really upset with uh, not the, the lack of love we've given Darius Slayton, though he has graded well and He's played solid. very well this yeah. year. I, I, there were some very impressive reps from Slayton on the year. All right, let's go to number six. Los Angeles Chargers, they bring, who's becoming a my guy. He's not a my guy. He's everyone's guy. This is He plays every position, plays every alignment well. He's a my guy only in that I'm freaking in love with him from what he can do from an alignment and assignment standpoint. I haven't DM'd him yet, but I'm asking for a shirt off pick. We'll see how it goes. But Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons, this guy can do it all. The Chargers have already shown they're willing to bring in guys that can do it all. Mm -hmm. You're going to get Nasir Adderley back from injury. You have Derwin James, who can who's recovering from the injury last year. Then you bring in Isaiah Simmons. Could they play the three one seven? They already played dime at some of the highest rate in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Could they just all the way dive in and be this three one seven type of defense? I'm, I'm not a big dude on. Hey, I'm in this. I'm in this division with X team. Let me get X guy to stop X. Team. I hate that. I but hate that. Isaiah Simmons. You will have to go through the Chiefs for the next foreseeable future with Patrick Mahomes quarterback in the AFC. If you want to just win a Super Bowl, you're going to have to go yeah. through the Chiefs. Don't even think about to. the division. Like and, a- and a- you're going to have to go through the Chiefs, and you're going to have to go through Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Simmons is perfect to stop both of those guys. He can play the run. He can go sideline sideline against the run, chase down Lamar Jackson's space, and then he can stop the pass when you're going up against the Chiefs. So yes, they need offensive line help. Drafts usually not where you want to go for offensive line help, and if there there are some draft NFL ready tackles in this class, I'm not saying it completely skew it, but I think that Isaiah Simmons is that special level of defensive player. When you already have Derwin James and you add Isaiah Simmons to that next level sort of defense, you could be a top three perennial defense in the NFL with guys like that. And especially with their pass rush, I think you go ahead and make that call and then address offensive line of frames. And you make a great comment there. Like, you know, they're going to be Chargers fans screaming that they know they need offensive line. They have to go get Andrew Thomas, you know, um, Jedrick will someone there. There's, there's such good offensive tackle talent. But when you have a player like Isaiah Simmons, throw need out the window and yeah. leave it there. Yeah. Draft the best player on the board. And Isaiah Simmons at six would be, would be that in this situation. Let's go to number 11, where the New York jets bring in Alabama wide receiver, Jerry Judy, CD lamb gets all the love. He's going to be the number one receiver on PFF's big board, probably for the foreseeable future through the draft. But Jerry Judy is still such a good player in that he's where the NFL is going. Separation is King. And this guy can separate at all levels of the field. There are some concerns that Judy played a ton of his reps in the slot, saw a lot more free releases than a CD lamb would or some of the other receivers in this class. But this guy against press can win. He, we've seen that in the reps that he's done that. I think he's the guy that, I mean, you bring him in the New York Jets, Sam Darnold's world's better with this guy already coming in. An instant impact player at 11. Yeah, and he's not only, and the thing is he, so the Jets have passed a ton underneath, you know, with Sam Darnold. James Crowder. They've done a ton of that. He, he's an upgrade in that area. Mm-hmm. He, he's very good at separating in that regard on the underneath route tree, getting him the ball in space, getting him the ball in screens. He is going to be dynamic with the ball in his hands. But, oh, yeah, he also has 4-3 speed and can get you vertical from the slot, from the outside, and stretch the field all of a sudden that James Crowder can't do. Uh, like that other guys in that roster besides Robbie Anderson really can't do. So getting someone like that for Sam Darnold just open up the offense a little bit more because they need that desperately uh, with the Jets. Thinking about a slot fade, Jerry Judy, Sam Darnold, 
I mean, I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to go here. We need it. We need it. 21, the Philadelphia Eagles, they bring in another Alabama wideout, Henry Ruggs. Talk about 4-3 speed. This guy might have 4-2 speed. Mm. Henry Ruggs is an absolute burner. He can be the Deshaun Jackson they want. The Deshaun Jackson that's a little bit older and not as healthy. I don't think that's a good comp for Henry Ruggs, but they have similar speed. I think Henry Ruggs, stretch the field, get open. The Philadelphia Eagles desperately need a guy that can do both of those things. And I think this meets need. And it's also one of the better players in this class. Yeah. 24 of his 98 catches in his career went for touchdowns. He has just absurd with the ball in his hands, angle changing speed. Uh, They, the Eagles, like you mentioned, they don't have speed currently, Mm -hmm. you know, without Sean Jackson, they are not uh, anywhere near. uh, That was their big MO was just no, nothing going on down the football field. And that's kind of where Carson Wentz thrives. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's his, that's his bread and butter is throwing the ball down the football field and to not have a guy, to you know, pair him with was just a death knell to that Eagles offense. And that's why they struggled so mightily this season. So just anyone in there all of a sudden changes the whole dynamic. Like, and it opens it up for all the other guys. All of a sudden, Alshon Jeffrey looks better. All of a sudden, J.J. Ortega Whiteside looks better. So I think you need a guy like that. Uh, and I don't think they're 4-2 speed done last the second round. So Two more one. things with rugs. Uh, what if I told you he turns 21 years old in 10 days? Still you, a very young player. 30 for 30. I mean, what if, what if I told you? Yeah. <laughs> what if I told you? Anyway, Henry Ruggs only turns, <laughs> turns 21 in 10 days. Still a very young player. Two, I was very impressed when I went back and watched tape on Ruggs, expecting to just see him burn down the sideline a ton of nines and stuff. He's a pretty good route runner. Yeah. And I think he really improved down the stretch in terms of being able to separate at the release and also like at the route stem. I mean, Henry Ruggs is not a bad route runner. I think no. Devontae Smith going back to school. I think he can improve his yeah. route run even further, but Henry Ruggs is already getting very good late in the season. I think Ruggs is NFL ready from that standpoint, and he's got the 4-2 speed. And what if I told... No, anyway, that that's where I am with Ruggs. Uh, 24, another very fast receiver. We're going back-to-back receiver here. Number 24, the New Orleans Saints. They bring in TCU wideout Jalen Rager. Another guy that, you know, I talked to him recently. We're going to have that uh, interview on the podcast here in a, in, a, uh, in a bit, but he's aiming for for uh, high 4-2s, low 4-3s in the 40. He wants to jump over 44 in the vert. I mean, this guy is a very special athlete that kind of got screwed a bit by TCU in the quarterback play there. He didn't get a ton of accurate targets this year, but Jalen Rager to New Orleans Saints, if they retain Drew Brees, I'll tell you what, he's going to get a lot more accurate targets on the football field. Accuracy-wise, but it was absurd this year how little Drew Brees tried to throw the football down the field. Mm -hmm. One, they didn't have it. Two, he didn't really need to, but he only had 11 big-time throws all season long. 11 big-time throws. To put that into sort of context, uh, there were 27 other quarterbacks that had more big-time throws. In the NFL, literally just was not taking chances with the ball down the football field. And you need it like you need to do that in the NFL today. At some point, someone's going to be able to figure out the underneath stuff. You need that threat mm-hmm. of the downfield. They didn't have that. Ended up losing to the Vikings. Probably a good reason because of that. And get someone like Jalen Rager in there. And all of a sudden that changes overnight. And I think he offered, he, he's shown that he can win in contested catch situations. I think there are some that are afraid of the drops, maybe also yeah. afraid of um, the catch, catch radius. radius. But yeah. I, I think he showed good ball skills in bursts this year when he did get thrown an accurate target. More than 30% of the targets were completely uncatchable. Yeah. He also ranked, you know, they had the fourth lowest percentage of on target passes in his direction in the college football. And this guy has not had a ton of great opportunities at TCU. I think he gets that in, New Orleans. That's why I'm a big fan of the fit and the player, really. Seattle Seahawks play a ton of cover three. 
Bryce Hall of Virginia, though he did get injured this year, still you know a first-round prospect, probably goes to the back end, maybe day two, top of day two. He's going to be great for a cover three. Very, mm-hmm. very instinctive, great in zone coverage. Yeah. I talked to him before the season. He says he loves playing both, but he knows you can get a lot more interceptions in zone because you're looking at the quarterback. You're trying to make these plays. I think he's a guy that can get interceptions, get ball production, that play on the ball in, in a zone-heavy scheme. Yeah, I mean, Seahawks fans have to get used to mocking you know long cornerbacks to them mm-hmm. in the first round that's what's gonna be for a lot of for basically us here at pff because that is what they need you watch trey flowers just get spun around put in a blender by Devonte adams last week and you realize hey we need someone else besides Shaquille griffin like we need someone uh, that can stick with anyone in man coverage zone coverage doesn't matter we need some coverage ability if you're going to go through the nfc like you just don't have secondary that can get through the nfc at this point Unless you had, you know, unless you're Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball uh, and, you know, you're heaving the ball up 40 times a game, which they're not going to do that either. So get used to cornerbacks getting back to Seattle because they just, again, they don't have the secondary right now to compete in the NFC. I think there's a good chance that Bryce Hall falls today, too. I mean, the injury yeah. is not great. He's not a special athlete. He's like a former two star recruit, three star recruit. That's not going to wow people at the combine. But I really do like what's between the ears with him. I think he's a very instinctive player and in the right scheme. You put him in man and he just plays press man all day. He probably gets torched by some of the, the faster receivers in the NFL. But you leave him in zone and allow him to really play off his instincts. I think he can be a productive player. 28 Baltimore Ravens. I like this fit a ton because I just love that Baltimore Ravens defense. I love what they're doing there. They're trying to get more athletes on the football field. They're they're blitzing at a high rate with their defensive backs. I think Ashton Davis of Cal going to the Baltimore Ravens. They get the best out of him. They use his athleticism and his speed to the best of his ability. Great range. Physical player. Way more physical than you'd expect from a former track star. Yeah. And I think that's only getting better his football IQ and all that stuff just gets better pretty much every game he plays put him in Baltimore and watch him even improve further that's the thing is he's like very much an Earl Thomas light like light 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 we're not super Earl Thomas but like he is fast little undersized but he will lay the boom like mm-hmm. he will as a blitzer which they use Earl Thomas as a blitzer 58 times this year he rushed the pass during the regular season Earl Thomas you can use Ashton Davis in a role like that as well they threw out a ton of defensive backs on the football field. The Baltimore Ravens did over the course of the year. That is what they're doing. Again, another team that's attacking the pass first uh, and then figuring out a way to stop the run via scheme, not necessarily via, you know, the amount of guys that you have in the box and how talented they are. So I do think that he fits that mold of just getting more, over the middle coverage defenders in your defense. I also think he's going to crush the interview process. I haven't, I haven't actually interviewed him, but I've heard, heard some from his Cal days and other things. Yeah. I, I mean, walk on. So like walk ons have to crush. Yeah. Them. Yeah. They, well, they, he, well, he is. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to say that like teams when they interview with the combine and he tests well, I think that's going to help his stock when he does go down there to Indy. All right. Number 30, green Bay Packers, Tennessee wide receiver, Juwan Jennings. This is becoming a, a, a your guy. You're, you're starting like to, you're, you're loving Juwan Jennings, a bigger dude, hard to tackle after the catch. Uh, and that's an under, statement this guy's a big dude people bounce off of him he's not like a stop on a dime and watch a guy fly to the sideline as much but he's more of a guy like he, he kind of has that too though. he it, has both really i i, I haven't seen that but he I has mean, shake oh, on dudes okay and he has the hey you can't bring me down like he's I got shake and bake is what yeah. you're at okay yeah but that he's very much uh a former quarterback playing wide receiver he was a you know a four-star recruit as quarterback at a dual threat quarterback switched to wide receiver early on in his Tennessee career and looks like that in space when he gets the ball in his hand in space he just has that feel for uh where to get uh open to and where to make guys miss at so I do think that that's going to come in handy and then he had some good route running chops like and like I said on this might have been last week's pod week and a half ago where uh I was saying you know guys that can make you miss 
at the college level at a very high level. And no one was a higher level than Juwan Jennings this year. 30 broken tackles, oh, yeah. 59 catches is a out of this world rate that like basically I'm not sure we've ever seen a guy break tackles at that high rate at the college football level. Debo Samuel even last year was not even close to that. Those guys have the skill set to get off press coverage at the NFL. That sort of that innate shake ability that you have to make guys miss is what press coverage is all about. Beating press coverage is all about. So mm-hmm. you see a guy that has that, you bet on those sort of traits. I have to watch him more. I think I really liked what he did after the catch. I think I would like to see. I wanted to see more shake, less bake. But uh, I'll have to. I'll have to dive into his tape a bit. Go more. watch South Carolina tape. Go watch South Carolina. I'm gonna tape. watch the South Carolina tape. I'll, I'll watch the South Carolina tape. But you mocking him to the Green Bay Packers. They, I think they need a receiver outside Devontae Adams, though. Seattle uh, and they didn't they, think so. They, they <laughs> relied on Yak over the. I mean, that's been the Packers' mo. Is mm-hmm. Yak type receivers over the years. All right, we are going to dive into Jalen Rager interview you now but before we do that we got to bring up our sponsors here proper cloth i am in love with the proper cloth tees get a ton of rave reviews on the streets of cincinnati like dude whoa what are you wearing it's like yeah it's proper cloth man come get a feel i got people touching me on the side i mean it's it's crazy you yeah. just ask for strangers it, it, it's yeah. crazy they're all homeless but at a certain point it's not that bad you know anyway uh, i like the attention but proper cloth uh, is great shirt great feel easy to get online stop wearing shirts that don't fit start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt go to propercloth.com slash pff today uh you can use Use gift code PFF20 to get $20 off your first shirt. Firmly recommend proper cloth for the styles, the fit, and the feel. Big fans of them. Big fans of our sponsors at Proper Cloth. Let's dive in to this Jalen Rager interview. Really impressed with this guy. I think he knows where he can win at the next level. And I think, um, yeah, a very good interview. So, I mean, the big reason I wanted to call you, man, is because, you know, looking at your tape, so spectacular in 2018, and even in 2017, where the number 18 is a freshman, you got to admit there's a drop in production going from 2018 to 2019. Went over 1,000 yards in 2018. Those are just 611, five touchdowns in 2019. Obviously, probably not the production you wanted to or you know that you're capable of, but I'd be interested to know from you, you know, why do you think that was? Why, why do you think maybe that the box score production maybe took a step back? Um, I would say just, you know, not enough, not a, enough timing or, you know, enough reps at certain things. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I had a, I, I, like personally, I could have played better, but I feel, I feel like I have enough, enough film on tape that like this year shouldn't, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't hurt me that much. You weren't getting thrown on a ton of accurate targets compared to some other receivers in this class, and I, I that had to have been frustrating. I, I think the inaccurate targets had to have been frustrating. Would you say that 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 wasn't an easy part of this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it was frustrating at times, but you know, like. I feel like this year was a year for me to show my character at the next level because, I mean, being drafted high in certain cases, you'd be going to a bad situation. So I feel like this year just it just showed what type of person instead of just what type of player I am. What do you think you could have gone better for you? What would you have done differently this year? Oh, I would say just more of the 50-50 balls that I'm like – that I, I know I'm capable of catching just could have made those plays or just – Certain little things I could have done differently. Just I feel like I, I could have played better as a whole. But I mean, stuff like that. When you when you end up in the midst of a game, you really kind of just you try to make so many plays that you end up forcing it. And that's what I feel like I kind of got caught up into doing this year. Um, look, looking ahead a bit, I mean, we look at you as a player and see you know this the speed and obviously the blazing speed, great at the releases and. Um, um, to really create separation, where, where do you see your strength as a receiver in this class? Um, like I'm very versatile. Um, I feel like I just feel like most receivers only play either inside or outside. I feel 
fit. I mean, I can play inside, outside. Um, I feel like I can even switch to the other side of the ball in some cases. So <laughs> I just feel like I do, I do, I do stuff differently, and I just feel most people are one-dimensional, and I look at it as like I'm very, I'm very dynamic in certain cases. So you just have to, you just have to get the ball in my hands. That's a good point. I, I, talking to another receiver in this class, LaVisca Chenault of Colorado, I asked him what his favorite route was, and he said the direct snap in the Wildcat. Would you say something similar? What would you? What would your favorite route be? Uh, my favorite route would probably be, yeah, probably, probably a toss. <laughs> that, that's, that's fair, man. Good after the catch for sure. So I'm glad you brought up the versatility aspect because looking at know, where you've lined up at TCU, you played a ton of right wide receiver. Didn't not as much in the slot, not as much even on the left side. Why do you think that was? Do you think in the NFL you play more of a versatile role where you go in the slot, left, right, all those things? Um at TCU it was just more about design. That's just where they wanted me to play mm-hmm. on the right side. But I mean high school I played left and right, uh played slot. Um and I, I mean, it was just certain – that was just what our offense was. It just had me primarily as the receiver. That's what I saw for sure. And I thought – I wasn't sure if that was your preference or maybe just some of the design there, but I guess some of that design. Um, you know, and I already asked you kind of what separates you, but uh, you're joining a very deep receiving class with a ton of talent. I think here at PFF we see, like, what really separates people in the NFL is that ability, ability to separate as a, as a route runner. Where would you say you are from a route running standpoint in this class? Um, I feel like I'm a I'm a good route runner. I feel like I'm up there with with you know who they call the best of them. And uh, I mean, in my offense, it was it was certain routes that we didn't run and other schools may have ran. But I feel like once I get the chance to show everybody that I can run routes just like everybody else, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like people's opinion will change. You know, working already in this offseason, whether it's with your agent or with Exos, what have people told you where you can get better? Where do they want to get you better at the next level? Um, everything. I feel like I when I went in to start training, I just told you know I I just made sure that it's always room room for improvement for me. I don't feel like I'm you know content. I don't feel satisfied. I feel like I can get better in every part of my game. So really everything, you know, just route mm-hmm. running, catching, separating, using my hands more, using my feet more, just getting better at everything. Yep, that's a, that's a good way of looking at that, too, for sure. And then I, I would also love, you know, you talk about a lot of this on-field stuff with the you know, wide receiver position, athleticism, releases, route running. But I think another big part of the position and talking to other receivers in the NFL, Terry McLaurin included, the rookie at for Washington Redskins, so much of that position is also film study and preparation in a game week. Talk to me about what you're doing in a, in a given game week to prepare for your opponent. Um, well, like I did in college, I just watched a ton of film, you know, in and after workouts, just after, after class, after certain, you know, just get in and study the opponent and study the opponent because film, film, the film doesn't lie. And, you know, it can give away certain things that I can counter, counter on in the game. And I feel like that's what I did a lot of in high school anyway, just watching film my opponent, studying my opponent. And honestly, you know, in college, it was just like, if I felt like I could run by anybody. So, at the next level, I'm just trying to improve so I keep that same feeling because I feel like I can compete with the best of them, and that's just that's just what I feel like. When you see a corner come up and you know he's coming into press, what go, what's going through your head right at the, right before the snap? Um, if he gonna press me, I feel like he in my head I'm telling myself I'm not gonna get touched or he better not miss because he missed, 
then I'm gone. So it's just like I just look at it as if you're gonna press, you better have some. You better have some good some good recovery speed. <laughs> that's nice, man. That's definitely definitely good to hear. Well, that's all I need from you, and I, I really appreciate your time. Um, definitely looking forward to the rest. And best of luck moving forward. Appreciate you. That's going to do it for Jalen Rager. Again, a, a very impressive interview. I'm interested to follow him through this process. I, I was really excited about what his goals are for the combine. I, I think he's going to blow up the combine. You're going to be jealous of this. Jalen Rager actually slid into my DMs. Oh, wow. A few months back. Mm. Mm, and not the other way around. Wow, that's was, kind of unfortunate uh, for me. He, he said, thanks for the love. Wow, so, that's good. Well, yeah. what, all right. Well, uh, I hate myself. Anyway, Jalen Rager, though, really interested to see how he moves forward in this process. Um but now to our next segment, PFF favorites. These are PFF darlings. These are guys that have graded very, very well. We're probably going to be higher on these guys than others yep. because of that production, because of the grading profile. Because when we see these guys in the raw PFF grade really produce, that translates more often than it doesn't. It has high predictive power. That's why we're really getting behind a lot of these guys. Yeah, and I think it means almost like a high floor. Like mm-hmm. you're already good at football to yes. some degree. Yes. If you're grading out really well at the college level like these guys are, mm-hmm. if you have the grading profile, which all these guys multiple years of solid grades is why we're high on them. So if you have something like that, you're already good. Someone like a Chase Winovich came to the Patriots and was already good. He might not be, you know, he might not be Nick Bosa right out the gate. He might not be an elite level player. He might not have that perceived ceiling. You might not ever reach that, Mm -hmm. but he's already, uh, you know, able to make an impact on an NFL football field, which I think we saw. You're that's right. the first step. You got to be good at football. Uh, all right, good. first first guy on PFF Darling T News T Higgins of Clemson. I, yeah. I really like some of the reps we had last night, or in, in the national championship. I think T. Uh, what I what I came away with in this game was he, he's got a kind of a smaller lower half, but he's he's faster and more sudden than his size suggests, yeah. and that's what I that's kind of one of the first things I look for with the bigger receiver. I think some you know dive into contested catchability. Is he physical? All those things. I want to know. Okay, you're big, but you also better be somewhat sudden. sudden. You better have some quick twitch, even though yeah. you're just this big monster. And I think he does have that. Yeah, he was getting off the line of scrimmage against those guys. He was mm-hmm. getting good releases. Uh, was open a number of times down the football field. Hit once. Missed a couple other times, had the nice run after the catch on the jet sweep. I just think we've seen it, though, so much over the course of his career. The ball skills are off the charts. Uh, the production they finished sixth in terms of yards per route this past season, even though he didn't, uh, uh, you know, maybe put off 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 the charts sort of numbers uh, yardage wise. But, yeah, I just think we've seen it now for multiple years from T. Higgins. The grades are great. Not a lot of drops. Only six over 120 catchable passes the last two years. So ticking a lot of boxes that we like to see. Uh, and again, offer something as a bigger receiver. Not mm-hmm. a lot of other guys have in this class. Yeah, I'm with you there. I like T Higgins. Uh, let's go to running back Utah running back Zach Moss. Uh, I, I watched this tape recently and, and because he's graded so well, he's got a very high force miss tackle rate. I think only Travis Etienne has a better force miss tackle average, but Travis Etienne, I think is better than Zach Moss. Way more explosive. Very, 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 very explosive. I think acceleration and burst really take him to the yeah. next level. But Zach Moss, I was really impressed with on tape. I have a great lateral agility. I think he has a good understanding of how to break tackles, where to attack certain people and that's reflected in his production give give the comp give your comp. oh here's my comp zach moss comp here i got a couple names but my favorite one is cadillac, cadillac williams, williams baby i think it's a great comp i really do like cadillac williams as the comp and i know i'm a younger guy but like watching cadillac williams a bit in back in the day and even went back and watched some of his old games i think that's he reminds me a lot cadillac yeah williams. he reminds me a lot of cadillac but williams i i uh i can't remember as much what cadillac williams looked yeah. like a more modern one was cream hunt to me i think okay similarly and i see the cream I, hunt i see the cream hunt 0.37 broken tackles per attempt, second best we ever, excuse me, third best we've ever seen in a single season this past year. 
204 broken tackles, second to only Jonathan Taylor over the last three years. And Jonathan Taylor had like over 100 more carries than him. So Zach Moss, the dude's an elite tackle breaker, 3.9 of his 5.8 career yards uh, average come after contact. So he is just, he's been very, very good in a number of different indicators that we like to see when projecting the next level. So not, he's not running back one on pretty much anyone's board, but I, I, we think that, you know, if you get this guy date, like late day two, you're getting a damn good running back. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you get a running back on day two or even early day three that can force missed tackles at the rate Zach Moss can, yeah. that's going to translate next level. And I think we saw that even with a terrible combine with Devin Singletary at his production. FAU was insane. He forced missed tackles yeah. at an absurd rate. Zach showed up, showed up short, showed up light and ran a terrible combine yeah. or ran a terrible 40 was short before that. No, no, I know, but he showed okay. up and we, yeah. you know, Kyler Murray was short before that. He sometimes <laughs> somehow went, Tall. Yeah. Shut up tall. <laughs> All right, Sorry. let's go to uh, Calvin Throckmorton. This is another, I mean, Cam Meller, our, our college analyst, uh, he loves Calvin Throckmorton. He's been a very good player for Oregon for a long time. And he's another guy that you look at his grading profile and it's hard not to fall in love. 3,650 snaps in his college career, which one is crazy. Like one of the highest numbers we've ever seen. That might actually be the highest number we've ever mm-hmm. seen. I should probably go back and do that and do that fact checking. But a lot, 18 pressures as a freshman, then nine as a sophomore, 13 as a junior, and nine this past year as a senior. So those are very good numbers. Has played every single position along the offensive line at some point over his college career. That's great to see. Now we checked in. With I can imagine every offensive line coach all in on that. Exactly. Yeah, he's played every position. I'm in love. Sub 33 inch arms. He, he to me is kind of the Dalton Reisner of this draft class in terms. He just been very good at football for a very long time and maybe he doesn't look the prettiest doing it mm-hmm. but he gets the job done so i think this is a guy you get you get him in the second round you don't look back you got a guard for the next five ten years that's great there you go all right let's go to houston offensive tackle josh jones he will be at the senior bowl which i think will be a very good Hell opportunity yeah. for him very good opportunity for him to go in one-on-one situations and he's graded very well this year kind of a blow-up season this year when we talked to dame brugler i think he said what three or four offensive yeah, line four, coaches four in, over the last four years but this year he really clicked for him in 93.2 overall grade including an 89.2 in pass blocking a 92.7 as a run blocker here's the takeaway with josh jones got it done this year was very impressive sloppy a bit in technique wise, yeah, but he's, he's a good athlete. Athletic offensive tackles is where the NFL is going. If you get a guy that can really clean that up for him, his fifth offensive line coach in five years, whatever it is, yeah. it, you can, you have someone you have got. That's the thing is that he's, you think, Oh, Houston offensive tackle. Maybe he has like 32 inch arms and it's like six, four. No, this guy's six, seven. Like mm-hmm. he probably is going to have like 34 and a half inch arms. Like he looks the part moves like an NFL offensive lineman. Really? The only thing is that his past sets kind of look like, butt because he's never had uh, you know, consistent offense of line coaching there mm-hmm. but he's got the job done really well and his hands are fantastic for my money the best hands right now in pass protection in college football four pressures all season long at 325 pass blocking snaps so he's a dude this guy we're he's a he's riser a, at the senior bowl you know how we, we're gonna write uh, no, if you guys don't know the podcast podcast can be live from mobile next it's week like, yeah. we are going to be doing i think three podcasts the aim is for three podcasts in one week while we're down there it's sick of us yeah you're gonna hate us if but not, in mobile i'm gonna if we wanted to write the headlines before mobile that could be a good segment on yeah. thursday oh, write the headlines before Josh Jones rising at the senior Blow bowl, a up. big winner at senior bowl. Cause I think he's going to do great in one-on-ones and people are going to fall in love with that athleticism yeah. for sure. All right, let's go into Tani Muti early declaration out of Fresno oh. state, a guy that you kind of fell in love with off of one YouTube highlight video. No, I'm just kidding. But you also went but back, I mean, yeah, you went back and watched the tape. Um, really like what this guy brings to the table. 
I'm telling you, when you first showed them to me, I was writing the backgrounds for the draft guide, which does get released on January 20th, by the way, that Monday of the senior bowl, first Monday there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very good one. But doing the backgrounds for him, the people in Hawaii talk about this guy like he's a legend, like this guy who like came out of the wood, like Sasquatch. <laughs> like they're like, oh, yeah, Natani, this guy's just a monster. And like, he, I think he originally committed to Hawaii, but then something happened there and he goes mm-hmm. to Fresno State. He and came, even the guys walked out of a volcano. Yeah. It, and even Fresno State guys are like, yeah, I've seen him eat like a lunch tray before. Like, it's insane. Like, like the stories about this guy are incredible. I'd love to talk to him and talk to some of the coaches that have worked with him. But removing the background, this yeah. guy's a good football player. Yeah. His freshman year. The freshman offensive lineman. If you're not supposed to be good as freshman offensive lineman, that just doesn't happen. He had the third most big time blocks of any guard in the nation. The th- like you're one not supposed to be physically developed enough to be able to be blowing guys off the ball as a freshman and getting big time blocks whatsoever. Two, you're not supposed to be the third best out of any guard in the nation. No, he was just utterly throwing guys around. Gets hurt the next two years, only plays something like and that's going to ding him snaps. bad. And like the injuries sucks. are going to really bring him. He could have been you know if he plays fully healthy this whole year. To me, he's a first round type of offensive guard at that point. Like that's how dominant he's been. And he's just he's not allowed pressure either. Only eleven pressures uh, back as a freshman. Only three pressures on 318 snaps since then over the last two years. And he played left tackle actually his sophomore year on those. So he's been very good as both a run blocker and pass protector. He is our top offense, interior offense lineman on our board. Well, that even injuries aside, man, you got to put those injuries aside and just know he's a good player. If you can get a clean bill of health from Natani Muti, yep. you have a very good player on your roster. Coming on day two, he could even slip into day three with mm-hmm. some of the injuries and stuff. Uh, Hunter Bryant of Washington will be the next guy here. A PFF darling. I, I think the comp to Evan Ingram, I've said it before, and I'll say it yeah. again. It's just easy. He's going to be like this big slot in the NFL. I think you can take advantage of that. Use him as a mismatch weapon. Mm-hmm. He's earned an 82.5 receiving grade so far this year. Six foot two, 239 pounds. And I think that two thirty. 39 is a little heavy from what he looks like we'll on see. the football field, but uh, I, I, mismatch nightmare can play multiple positions. I think affect positively affect the passing game at the tight end position. What you want in a tight end. Yeah. So uh, off season, the injury after his freshman year. So he's only played 230. only played 338 snaps in his career heading into this year, but then 825 yards this year and for his career has averaged 2.74 yards per route, which if that was just for this season would have been the second best in the nation behind only Harrison Bryant from FAU who, uh, you know, group of five, not quite the same competition that Hunter Bryant's playing. So Hunter Bryant uh, going to be tight end one on our board. Now I'm not fully endorsing a first round pick for him because he's more wide receiver than tight end. And it's, I don't think you get the value at the tight end position, but if you're going to draft tight end in this class, draft this one. Mm-hmm. There we are. It's it's not a deep tight end class. <laughs> the more we look at it, it's not a de- deep tight end class. Uh, going into Jordan Elliott now of Missouri, interior defensive tackle that shows that pass rushing upside that you need at that position. Not upside, production. It's not even upside. Don't say upside. Don't say upside. Pass, pass rushing production from Jordan Elliott is very good from the interior position. That is what we want to see in an interior defensive lineman. Yes, Jordan Elliott led all defense tackles in the country this year in grade. You'd think, hey, oh, it's Derek Brown in the landslide. Mm-hmm. No, it was Elliott. And even if you limit to just SEC play, still Elliott. Mm-hmm. And so he had a 92.4 overall grade to sort of compare that to last year. And then, you know, Quinn Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, Quinn Williams had 96.0. That dude was next level. Yeah. Jeffrey Simmons, 92.8. So he's on that sort of Jeff in the incomparable to Jeffrey Simmons, who went 19th overall. Uh, and would have been probably a top 10 player had he not torn his ACL in the pre-draft process. So uh, I, I do think that's kind of where we don't see Elliott on, you know, Jeff Simmons ended up being a top 10 player on the board. We don't see him that high, but we think 19th overall is definitely not too high to be taking a guy like Jordan Elliott. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, while we're on interior defensive line, I had a, uh, we're not bringing up this player, but I have to at this point, uh, Javon Kinlaw. I had a good comp for him. Oh, okay. Throw it at me. David Baker, the guy who presents the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> David Baker. Oh, God. I'm just kidding. But I was... Dude, David Baker that's is Mc, just That's Mackie Beck. That's Mackay Beck. Mackie Beck. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good one. Uh, anyway, uh, that guy is fucking huge. <laughs> that guy is just huge. Um, let's go to Christian Fulton. This guy is probably high on a lot of people's radars, though. He's probably a first-round pick across the board. Yeah. But he has graded very we well. We feel really good about Yeah, we feel yes. really good about Christian Fulton. Didn't have a great... We already talked about him early in the podcast. Didn't have a great game against he, Clemson. He Though. Yeah, yeah. It's like he still won some, and then he had the pick. And that DPI was terrible. Yeah, that, that was, was an awful pretty call. Absolute awful call. Probably shouldn't have been a DPI. I mean, that one goes 50-50, if they call it or not, usually. And so, and that was very good coverage. Just I also awesome. thought the offensive pass interference call on T. Higgins was garbage. Down yeah. the field with that touchdown. Yeah, that that was not good either. But uh, Christian Fulton is, is graded really well for us. Great ball production. You love what he can do at the catch point and stuff. And also, like, that match and yeah. variability in man coverage and the reps he has, the experience he has playing ma- press man is going to be very good for him in the NFL. So in SEC play over his career has a 92.8 coverage grade in SEC play, which is would have led the nation this year. And that's that's for his career against mm-hmm. the SEC and only a 41.3 completion percentage. So uh, when, the wow. Lights, wow. when the lights come on, uh, you know, when he's playing against the SEC, the vaunted SEC, mm-hmm. he shows up. And I, I listened to an interview with Fulton on I think the Moves to Six podcast, and I, I, I was re- I came away really impressed with like his projection of himself and where he needs to get better. I think he's going to be at the Senior Bowl too. Yeah, I think him seeing him at the Senior Bowl, he could dominate these receivers. And I, I like Michael Pittman. I kind of like Denzel Mims, but I mean <laughs> Christian Fulton, I think is on another level yeah. with those guys. I think he's going to lock them up. Uh, Xavier McKinney of Alabama, another guy that's graded well, plays a ton of different positions for Alabama. You talk about versatility, not on the same level as Isaiah Simmons from mm-hmm. a projection standpoint, but what he can play and what he can do is special. Yeah, and I think it's where the NFL is moving in terms of you need the nickel safety, dime safety. You need a guy who, oh, they motioned, uh, you know, from two by two to three by one, and the guy can just like go down to the box and, you know, do a completely different role without uh, having to, you know, sub or do different things, completely jeopardize the, uh, you know, structure of your defense. That's someone like Xavier McKinney has a 90 uh, grades over 79.0 in run defense pass rushing and coverage each of the last two years, mm-hmm. which very well-rounded player, uh, 91.2 coverage grade for his career. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of things he does well, and he tackles a little bit better than Grant Delpit. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, guess, at any point, you have an opportunity to drag Grant Delpit for his tackling. You it's do. just, I mean, he's still safe to number one, but we yeah. love to. I wonder if Odell Beckham drag. Jr. handed uh, Grant Delpit a lot of cash <laughs> after that game. That was unbelievable. He had some stick on Dude, he just was throwing cash around last night. Yeah, I mean, it's all about you, Odell. Yeah, that's true. All right. Last one here. Last guy on the PFF Darlings favorite segment here. Curtis Weaver. I've seen this guy trashed. Some people hate Curtis Weaver. And I think the body type isn't good. We talked about him. I called him a fat boy last podcast, which was great. Khalid Alameen. It's a weird body type. He's kind of a bigger dude. But if you want to talk about a PFF favorite from a pure production and grading profile standpoint, you're not going to find one better than Curtis Weaver. And he's up there with Chase Young levels of PFF passers grade. Obviously, you have to factor in level of competition. You have to factor that in with you know comparing Chase Young to Curtis Weaver but when you win at that level like you said your floor is just so much higher in the NFL when you know you can win as a pass rusher at the collegiate level yeah so three straight years of 20 plus combined sacks and hits Uh, the only player uh, I believe in college football that has that going for him created over 92.0 as a pass rusher each of the last two seasons uh, and, and that's with him sort of falling off down the uh, stretch this year playing through a high ankle sprain Yeah. yeah so there's 
it's a sort of grading profile, a pass rushing profile that we have not seen outside of, you know, the Bosa's, the chase, like the guys who agree out that elite level usually go top five to 10 mm-hmm. in the draft and are testing is going to be huge for him. And so how he yeah. shows up, what he looks like, yeah. what he weighs so in he, at and he, all that stuff, can, like go at least like low four, seven forty, and have like a good get off. I mm-hmm. think it, we're talking about a top 15 player. on Yeah. Board. I went back and watched a little bit more of the get off stuff. I think a lot of it was like snap timing. I think he does a good job with that. I'd like to see him just like pure explosive get off there. His 10 yard split is huge too. I remember doing a ton of not necessarily analysis, but like researching like 10 yard split and looking at the guys oh, no, that yeah, ranked high and and at all positions like 40. off the tackle 10 yard split yeah. is so important defensive and all that stuff. I think 10 yard split for him will be huge. I think you saw Ben Banigou and Brian Burns have very good 10 yard splits and you saw that on tape. I think the 10 yard split will be big for Curtis Weaver. That's going to do it for the two for one uh, edition or the Tuesday edition of the two for one drafts podcast. This is Austin Gale, Mike Rainer. Remember you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher and Apple podcast. We are also on YouTube uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, but uh, thanks again, Austin Gale, Mike Rainer, two for one drafts. <laughs>